0: filtered news real news welcome everyone to the Tory says show i'm your host tory so today is june 25th 2019 and there is i mean guys if there was a heat map on this planet it would be red hot. Red hot in Europe and the Middle East. And, you know, what people don't seem to understand is the Middle East used to be an area that people wanted, an area that people, mm, I would say, would do anything to protect only because the petrodollar was key. Now, there's two reasons... That nations would like control of the Middle East too. And those reasons are petrol, right? Energy, and access to Africa. Now, one will say Africa has many shores that you can get to. Yes. But it is through the Middle East that you can land connect it to Europe and Asia. What I'd like to do today is kind of give a synopsis of where we are as citizens before we delve into the very complex situation in the Middle East and the Eastern Mediterranean. It's important for us to know and understand that what we see With Iran right now, these so-called we're not negotiating has already been done. Negotiations have been completed just like they were with North Korea. Just enjoy the show. Allow it to happen. This is a litmus test for the rest of the Western nations. And to see exactly where Turkey would size up when under pressure. This is where we're at right now. So as you know, every day, Monday through Friday, 12 to 2, I'm here on Red State Talk Radio, giving you the news that the mainstream media won't. Giving you the news, obviously, from a more, shall I say, global perspective, Because if any of you have turned on your television sets uh, and watched just yesterday and today what is being peddled, you would have no idea what's really going on. Uh, Because they have this insane... I mean, I feel sorry for E.J. Carroll, right? I, I do. I feel really sorry for her. It's as if CNN is participating in elder abuse for ratings. That is a new low. 30 years later, it's rape, but not really sexual. Guys, if you listen to some of this stuff, you get dumber and dumber just by listening to it. And the thing is, she's been on multiple shows on CNN. And I honestly have no idea how these insane CNN hosts keep a straight face while she talks. Most of the things she's saying make absolutely no sense. None. It is the most weirdest attempt I've ever seen. Guys, I really don't understand what they are doing I really don't understand from the fact of what their goal is they have an immense amount of candidates and you know let's say the Republican Party is safe since it is in President Trump's hands period and the party and I've said it before Never ever stick hardline to your party because not everyone subscribing to a party subscribes to their ideologies. There are actual people that run with a democratic ticket because they're so naive, they believe that you know true democracy will shine, and it just so happens that there are corrupt ones. There are people that actually are that naive. Then there's other people that will run with the Republican ticket only because it seems saner than that of the Democratic. In reality, we have good and bad candidates on both sides of the fence. We have to acknowledge that. I mean, at the moment, we have absolutely zero candidates on the left uh, that have any substantial contributions to offer to our nation. Okay, let's be honest. OK, they're pandering to fill up the DNC coffers so that way they can push forward their own candidate. In the past couple of days, if you noticed, just these two days, Monday, Tuesday, it seems and over the weekend, it seems that we had Bernie Sanders and Swallowwell right, coming out. Not a lot from Biden because he's got his own problems. Not a lot from Kamala Harris. I mean, this Jesse Smollett thing is going to be a boom. So it should make you pause and wonder what their plan is. Ilhan Omar approaching to be stripped of her asylum status slash being provided citizenship through that as a refugee. The party is falling apart, the Democratic Party. There's still some Republicans that we need to pick off, too. And this Iran litmus test, like I said, will show us where our allies sit and where Turkey sits. This is the key. And Turkey today made it evident and I'll explain later on uh, when we analyze what is happening, you know, where we have Pompeo in Saudi Arabia, we have Bolton um, traveling around in the Middle East, and we have uh, Brian Hook uh, speaking with Iran. And you know what's funny? I want us to rewind and remember the tweets and the statements made by President Trump and Kim Jong-un when they were like, my button's bigger than yours, Kim Jong-un insulted President Trump, you're so low IQ, you're this, you know, and they were talking like that. I want you guys to listen to what Iran said about President Trump.
1: How can a person lose their mind so badly and do something so outrageous and idiotic by sanctioning the leader of a country. U.S. leaders are suffering from mental disability. The White House is afflicted by mental retardation and does not know what to do.
0: Did did you hear that? That is Rouhani. Speaking of our leaders, our White House, I love it. I absolutely love it. This tells you everything you need to know. And one will be like, well, he just insulted the White House. He just insulted the president. Yeah, I'm okay with it. Enjoy the show. President told you that too. The thing is what people don't seem to realize is, and, and, and it's almost three years, well, we're two and a half years into a Trump administration, right, guys? I mean, you have to realize what his MO is. He told you during the campaign. I'm just going to do things. I'm going to I'm not going to tell people what I'm doing. I'm just going to go ahead and do it. He has already done what is needed to be done. He has already implemented what he needs to implement. Now obviously, The wild card factors, and and I've talked about this before because I've told you how I, you know, hang out with a bunch of nerds on the fringes of the dark net where we just chat, 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 right? And what we do is, and I've said this before, is try to predict uh, current events or events that will be coming with the knowledge we have about human nature and i've said this before humans are not calculated in the way they respond to stimuli meaning if you're threatened if you are excited because every individual responds differently and what's weird with human nature is is that if say you and 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 i and another five people were in a room And we all kind of tackled one situation. And you come in all excited. and Start talking to all of us with great excitement. I may have entered that conversation with a pessimistic point of view. But your excitement will travel through and influence the point of view of the others around you. Yes? So in essence, my pessimistic view may in turn become optimistic, and the results from tackling this problem, because of the differing perspectives, may be more not excited, but amicable or more pleasurable or more optimistic, right? Because we get influenced by conversations, by people around us, call it energy, whatever you want to call it. So again, you cannot predict how humans as a collective, sometimes individuals are easy, but as a collective would respond. So when you're trying to predict um, the outcome of a plan you have, and this plan President Trump has had has been many, many years in the making without President Trump. President Trump was selected. Selected by who? Who? He was selected. So even though there's a plan that has been formulated by strategists, people that have, mm, I would say, a good grasp on the context of issues that plague not only our nation, but the world, came together and Formulated a remedy, a remedy to heal what has gone awry and destined to again repeat history. Because history always repeats itself. So as President Trump goes through the motions in his presidency so far in two and a half years, he stays on path with the predictions provided and the input provided by those around him that will keep him within those goalposts. But as I said before, humans have to be treated as nodes. I mean, the human response has to be treated as a node. So when we're dealing with foreign governments... That's a collective, not a collective of the people that vote, because we all realize that around the world, no matter what you vote for, your leaders will do what they want and convince you that you voted for it, right? So here we are at a point where we do not know what the responses would be as they are 33, 33, 33% across the board for our allies. Allies deciding to stop the process and the path that they had taken with this global order. A choice to fight the United States of America that was one of the brainchilds of this plan to maintain course, and others that will sit, recoup, muster up, and plan on how to remedy an eight-year Trump presidency and mitigate the situation with the least possible blowback. So these are the options that our allies have Okay, because those nations that have never traded in dollar, Cuba, Iran, North Korea, and actually Syria right now, right? Those are the nations that do not trade in dollar. They are not dependent on the petrodollar, therefore have an independent economy, yet the whole world had ostracized them, right? Right? Each serving their own purpose. So, where are we at right now? Considering we don't know which of these three generic options our allies and those that are peripheral allies—you know, kind of like um, I don't know, uh, Hungary <laughs> or um, Colombo or Mongolia right i'm just saying nations that don't really come forward with opinions they're not super active it's not like you hear oh mongolia condemns this you know those nations peripheral allies we call them so what you do is you perform a test so as we diffused at first instance the nation that was held hostage to terrorize the planet with the threat of nuclear attacks. Nuclear attacks that would bring back memories for those alive, which aren't many, or, you know, revisiting pictures and video of what happened in Hiroshima. Terror, fear of annihilation that your government cannot protect you from that is not sequestered in one specific area but can radiate and then indeed perpetuate issues for, you know, eons to come because of radiation, et cetera, can really, really easily make millions upon millions of people voluntarily forfeit anything to avoid that. So that was the first threat president Trump had tackled coming out of the gate coming out of the gate he was like my button is bigger than yours you're a rocket man rocket man would come back with you are not intelligent you are testing my patience right and everyone's like oh my gosh we're gonna have war Mm -mm. enjoy the show because sometimes you need a little bit of a circus Because through that circus, you see where everyone sits. You see where your senators sit. You see where your congressmen sit. You see who in the Pentagon sits where. So, you know, for something that was a done deal, this is how you test it. And also your allies. North Korea, done. Actually, North Korea still has problems with China because China is reluctant to let go of power. Again, I state this again. Very important. Where is South Korea in all of this? South Korea would always chime in on things. Where are they? Hmm. It's where there is silence and omission that we need to put our eyes on it. So now we have Iran. Iran was something in the background that the president was working on always, of course. Iran was something that we had our true allies, those that were held hostage, those that were forced to serve the needs of those in this, you know, phantasmical order that they decided that they're going to implement because they know best, those that served only to survive hoping that maybe from within they collapse because people are unpredictable, as I said. Human nature is unpredictable. Or with the hope that for some, you know, reason, God blesses them with some way to protect themselves from this growing universal nation. Those allies did a lot of the groundwork for us Those allies were the first ones, this universal government, you know, group targeted first. Look at who they targeted. Look at who they don't like anymore. They love their money. They love their oil. And then it's like, you murdered this person. You did that you funded this, you funded that, you did this over here, you did that over there. Think about it. What people need to do is take a step back and think about it. The whole world considers certain nations enemies. Why? Because they do not control them. You are not an enemy if I control you. If I have you under my thumb, you are not my enemy. If you have no debt and I have trillions, you're my enemy. If you have full control of your population that will abide every word you say with a swift, one-cut sword, swift whatever and execute, you're my enemy. This is where it's coming to right now. This is where we're seeing... Countries take certain positions that are really rattling the global scope of geopolitics. Global. And the president understands this and the more he is rolling this out and the more they see that he's 20 steps ahead of them, seven months ahead of them, They try to cause more rifts in his house. They pull out 30-year-old rape charges. They put out pictures demonstrating children sitting on concrete floors with aluminum blankets done way before his time. They have different people coming on to comment on his actions and responses. They skew his words as if everyone was in the air and the cocked and loaded to this. No, 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 it only takes 30 minutes to get the full force of our military in that area from start to finish, maybe an hour, depending on how many facets you want to cover. You know, the more I watch the mainstream media and the more I see what's being tweeted out, the more I realize that even the people that consider themselves, I don't know, woke don't really understand just how planned out this is, just how perfect it is. And I'm seeing rifts within the conservative movement, rifts within those that are seeking freedom and peace because they run with every bit of information that's out there. They run with anything that may seem to be beneficial to the president, that may seem to be beneficial to the agenda they believe is being executed. We know there's a plan, but none of us know the path to the end result. None of us do. In essence, what we need to be focusing on is our local communities, our local governments to ensure that they can meet up to where the federal government is going to be at the point of right before 2020 elections. Because right now, it still make America great again. In a few days, I would say a week max, you're going to start seeing that uh, funnel. You know, when you pull a drain plug and then water starts going down, but the funnel takes a little bit to kick up, right? Just a couple seconds. Well, we're in that couple seconds route. You're going to see that funnel hit, In just a few days. And the president told you so. He said in two and a half weeks. You'll see. Two and a half weeks. Maybe it's because we're going to have this big 4th of July party, which by the way, I'm so angry. I cannot go. I am so angry. So I'm just glad that at least uh, one of my good friends, Laura Loomer, can have that amazing room at the Trump International (laughs) that I booked so that I can enjoy it. Now, right after this break, I'm going to break down a little bit more. I'm going to give you a little bit more insight of what has happened and how he has told you. So that way in the last hour, when we analyze Iran, Oman, Yemen, Saudi Arabia, Iraq, Syria, and Europe and China and Russia, it all makes sense. I'll see you all in a bit.
1: Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help.
0: Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says show. So, as I was explaining how predictions happen and what comes, I wanted to kind of revisit things that, well, obviously, with my personal account, I used to talk about on Twitter, and we have one person, Real Matt Couch at Real Matt Couch, Matt Couch, that has been looking into the Seth Rich murder. I felt like I, me and him were the only ones in 2016 tweeting about it. Seriously. So we need to revisit that because that's about to come out into the open. Not only are we going to see things about Seth Rich come out, but we're going to see things about Las Vegas. Las Vegas shooting. You need to know that Seth Rich, obviously having worked for the Democratic National, well, for the DNC basically, was murdered. We all know that he is linked uh, to, the, to Julian Assange and is responsible for the m- imaging of the DNC exchange server, right? So one just has to take a look to see his family, Aaron Rich and his family they're actually being held hostage. Now, a lot of people might say, well, you know, you shouldn't say that. Matt Couch is being sued right now. Of course he is. Mm-hmm. Wilkie Farr is representing them. Wilkie Farr, you know, same law firm representing the Clintons. Same law firm representing Huma. Same law firm representing every single clown in D.C. You know, they kind of spread apart between... uh Perkins Coy, Wilkie Farr, Wilkie Farr also hired people that used to be uh, working at the, you know, at, at the U.S. Treasury, at the Department of Justice, and there's so much more. So I just wanted to say that as this month closes out, we will be hearing a lot about Seth Rich, a lot. And we're going to be hearing how, indeed, this all has occurred. Uh, You know, how did these WikiLeaks emails go? How did they get retrieved? How were they released? And people will say, uh, you know, hey, Julian Assange is in jail. He's not telling you. Yeah, February, he's going to come. His timing is coming in February of 2020. That's when we're going to start to get them, right before the elections. Because when you credit them with murder, that's something you cannot hide. I don't care how magical, you know, the mainstream media thinks they are, but you can't hide murder. You can't sugarcoat it. I mean, look at you now with, you know, Jean Carroll. It's like elder abuse. You have someone that's completely off their rocker saying things that make absolutely no sense, making your credibility tank. Even granola-munching, Birkenstock-wearing, gender studies clown. You know, every time I I see them making remarks on my Twitter, it just drives me insane when they complain, I don't have a job. Well, why'd you get a degree in gender studies? I'm sorry. Even those people, though, my points, don't buy it. Nobody buys this. Nobody. So murder is going to be pretty much coming out June of next year because that is when Assange will be in the United States. All the paperwork will be done by February 2020. But here is where, again, I talk about humans and their nature. The United Kingdom, we don't know where they're sitting yet. This Iran litmus test is coming forward now in the next hour, I'll tell you what Britain said in regards to Iran, the statements they made in regards to how the U.S. and the U.K. will respond to this, if they will respond to this. And you'll understand exactly why Iran is being taken on this path. In addition, you know how Russia pulled out the Cuban Missile Crisis. Big one right there. That needs to be discussed too in the next hour. So let's kind of like focus a little bit, okay? Let's focus on where our president is sitting right now, what is being stated by those in the House and in the Senate, and obviously the clowns on your television sets. They're really not telling you anything about Iran. They're really not telling you anything about Oman. They're not telling you anything about the UAE. They're not telling you anything about Saudi Arabia. They're not telling you anything about Yemen. They're not telling you anything about Turkey, Israel. They're kind of just giving you bullet points with no knowledge behind it. Why? This is how they create a, you know, sleepwalking nation that only has talking points to regurgitate But when they regurgitate them and you ask them to elaborate, they just look at you like, well, so, right? (laughs) Again, where are we at as the health of a nation? Where are we? We're at the point that we're waiting for declassification, right, as a nation. We're waiting to see what really happened. And, you know, you have to understand, oh, let me give it as an example so you understand this. So in November, when I was talking about General Flynn, I told you in March, he's not going to be sentenced. It's going to be pushed back. You watch. Something's going to happen. Now we had Sidney Powell take over his case. He's not going to have a case. His plea will be withdrawn. The case will be dropped completely. And then people on the Mueller side will be prosecuted for misconduct. Now, I'll tell you why. When they provided information, it was in the transcript, and I loved it. I loved it. You know, Sidney Powell told the judge, well, I want other information, you know. There's other information for them to base the judgment, but they didn't submit it. And then, you know, the counsel for the special counsel was like, well, we gave everything, you know, pertinent to our argument. No, there's other information that's classified, so I need a clearance. And the judge was like, what other stuff? Well, you know, we didn't submit it. Why didn't you submit it? I'm interested in it too. Yeah, he's interested in it because here's the thing you cannot classify and limit information or continue it to have it as classified if it conceals violations of law inefficiency or administrative error that's an actually in our exec on one of the executive orders executive order one three five two six so you can't conceal it when it when you know that information uh, demonstrates that there were violations of law administrative errors or insufficiency or two to prevent embarrassment to a person organization or agency so why are we hiding names see that's the thing what upsets me is, is that we have an executive order that says, you do not hide names to prevent them embarrassment. You can't classify it. Executive order says so. Restrain competition, you know, to not, you know, keep a balance. You know, sometimes it would be on, um, what is it, uh, where you respond to requests for proposals, right, that have a classified nature, for example. Prevent or delay the release of information that does not require the protections in the interest of national security. So here's what we need to understand. What were they saying when they were going to release the Mueller report? They said that they were going to redact names or nations or whatever to prevent embarrassment. Can you do that? No. According to the executive order, you really can't. Can you classify information that will show that there was an inefficiency in process of prosecution execution of orders or whatever it is or to conceal violations of law or administrative errors no the executive order says no so here in the case of general Flynn the minute she gets that clearance and she has provided that documentation he's Scots free he was part of a specific group of the intelligence community That falls under the umbrella of, you know, the Department of National Intelligence. And so the thing is, is that if they were surveilling him illegally, if they were excluding exculpatory evidence to get him nailed and put into a corner, they're in a lot of trouble. But the reason I bring this example up is this is how General Flynn is not going to have anything. Actually, he should be paid restitution, given back pay of his retirement. And then I'd love to see him slotted into the Trump administration for real. Probably the Pentagon, General Flynn. We need you there. I still has a list of names of clowns that are still in there. I mean, you know them better than all of us. And maybe then, you know, with the declassification or the present, you know, Sidney Powell presenting the information they have, like, hey, I was forced retired because I uncovered a money laundering scheme by the Clintons and the Obamas going through Iran and Turkey. This is why they forced retired me. Whoop. Boom. So aside from that, I'm revisiting Executive Order 1, Three, five, two, six, section one, seven. No case shall information be classified or continue to be maintained as classified or fail to be declassified in order to conceal violations of law, inefficiency, or administrative orders, prevent embarrassment to person, organization, and agency. Psh. The United Kingdom will suffer because we will not keep them out of it and keep it classified. We will not keep Australia classified. We will not keep New Zealand classified. The thing is, though, if they come forward and say, you're fired, you're fired, you're fired, President Trump was right, we did this, these are the people responsible, they've been fired and they're being tried and they're going to be thrown in jail regardless if they actually put them or not and they're just doing it for you know, the sake of public appearance, that needs to happen. Because we, by law, are not allowed to conceal names to save them. Now, the Mueller report, of course... Because there's still ongoing investigations and grand juries and, you know, discussions under seal, you know, where they're um, already full spin into court, like Baker. What we need to remember is that those names will be remaining classified until they're completed. So it's inevitable. It is inevitable. Inevitable that we will have everything. So now with Iran, we're going to see where our allies sit. If they sit by us, if they pick humanity over order and plans that they had for a universal government, then hey, maybe we'll allow you a couple months to drum up your propaganda mouthpieces, your mainstream media, you know, tap in BBC and Sky and have them inform your public of the violations you have been made aware of by your own intelligence community, by your own, you know, um, MPs and even by someone in the House of Lords. So publicly they have to take action publicly they have to take responsibility i am pointing this out because so many people are like d class d class d class we can't d class yet because they're not playing ball and i've said this you know earlier the thing about human nature is that you can probably predict one person's response to stress a situation or a problem and predict how they will mitigate, respond, execute to that. But when it comes to a nation, it's a collective of persons. And like I said, each other they can influence by debate to come to a more unified decision that everyone is agreeable to. So like I said, someone will come in with high optimism, someone with pessimism, and then it'll be a more neutral, you know, amicable, you know, complacent feeling, right? It'll just neutralize it out, right? And this is what we cannot see, you know, into the future of. So, this is why we have created situations to push that to come to fruition. And the thing is, it's super high stress. Like, we've already seen with Turkey what is going on uh, in a few domains. So, we have a few things to look at Turkey, because Turkey is dangerous, and the United States has put pressure. One, these sanctions on Iran, right? They didn't comply. Two, the S-400 missile order that was done under Obama. So Turkey thought, hey, Obama said it's okay. President Trump's going to be totally fine with it. But, you know, they, as the rest of the world, didn't think that President Trump would be president, right? So they continued they even made the payment in 2017 because they were sure from what was being said on mainstream media that he was leaving he was going to get impeached they were going to remove him they were going to execute him i mean failed missile attacks on our air force one stop we're in control the good guys are in control and they have not realized it yet Our mainstream media is this loud, this corrupt, this deranged, not so much for the people of the United States. Keep that in mind. It's for the so-called allies outside of the United States. The mainstream media here has to be unified, has to talk the same language, say the same thing, disseminate the same information and propaganda. Not for you and me, because we already know, and the numbers going to Trump's rally show it. I'm trying to tell you that the mainstream media here, insane CNN, insane MSNBC, insane, you know, ABC, CBS, WAPO, Huffington, New York Times, all of them, they're not putting on this show for you or I or any deranged basement-dwelling libtard, okay? They're doing it for the other countries. Because, see, even though we are discussing online and we have great discord, right, and we're talking and look at the numbers in the rallies, no matter what the mainstream media says, we're not listening. They're fake news. But, see, in Europe... In Asia, in Africa, in India, what do they see? They don't see articles from me, Laura, Gateway, Big League, or Bright, or Breitbart. Maybe Breitbart. No, I, I think they're banned actually in some countries. They some of them don't even have access to specific Twitter things because they have filters, right? They see CNN. They see um, MSN, uh, MSNBC, Money, right? Then you have Euronews that pulls the feeds, you know, from MSNBC and from CNN. So they're not doing all these insane interviews, elderly abuse you're seeing, insane narratives, not showing the crowds, mocking President Trump, having people on there that are saying he's going to go, this, this, this. No, no, no. Mm They're not doing it for us. They're not doing it for the U.S. voters. They're doing it for the so-called allies and those that were designated enemies because they didn't participate to know we're still in control. Listen to us. It's going to happen. But you know what? It's been two and a half years and nothing's happened. And now the rest of the world has realized they've got nothing. So Obama gallivanting... Talking, why is he in Italy talking with Iranians? Why was he in France talking with them too? Who's the Saudi, extradited Saudi, that he's meeting with tonight? With Clooney. Insane, right? They're grasping onto anything they can, anything they can. The thing is, they've lost the game. And they are unwilling to stop. Because say CNN decides that they're going to stop. They're going to stop putting out fake news. They're going to start delivering real news. When they do, do you believe that anyone will watch them? Their credibility is zero. Absolute zero. So, where are they at? They're all in. They know that when, if they lose, which they have, when their, air quote, allies, Germany, France, England, Australia, New Zealand, some African nations, and others when they realize that there is no going back, when they realize that they really lost, that they have nothing, that's when they will disappear. That's where you're not going to see them anymore at all. No Anderson Coopers, no Zucks, nothing. And you know, the weird thing is, and I've had a lot of people Tell me, let's talk about McKeelan. Let's talk about this. No, let's talk about what's the reality. You need to understand that your mainstream media is not doing those atrocities that you're seeing on TV and pushing those narratives for you. They're doing to pacify their investors. They're doing it to pacify people that are part of this universal government okay? That's why they're doing this. They want to pacify them and say, we're still in control. Trust us. We're going to get it done. It's just taking a little bit longer because he's unpredictable. Specifically after North Korea, boy. Again, where is South Korea again? Where are they? There's some things that are missing here. Lots of non-public information on South Korea. We need to pay more attention that way. So this is their plan. They have united with tech companies to censor our speech to disallow us to uh cross the pond with our speech barring people from entering to countries too right that have different opinions not because they're a threat to the country but because their rhetoric is not allowed in the country because they have the right to do it because those countries are really not free countries so when i hear a brit saying We're totally free, like my husband. No, we're a free nation. No, you're not. Because then why would you ban a conservative journalist from entering your country? Speech is supposed to be free. If they were, you know, Unabombers or, you know, ISIS terrorists, then, you know, that would be a justified thing. you're scary to go in our country. But, you know, that didn't stop Canada. Not only did the ISIS bomber go into Canada, but he sued Canada for money, remember? (laughs) So let's be real. Silencing. Project Veritas exposed how Google wishes to maintain power. I mean, all of us know that you can't use Google to search for anything. I have a Google phone, right? I use Google features everywhere. My Google Home, um, you know, through my phone, obviously, the Google Assistant, the Google Smart Home stuff. But you know what? When I'm searching, it's not on Google, and when I'm doing things, it's usually not on Google. I use browsers like Brave. You know, now we're talking regular internet, not backdoor internet, right? I use browsers like Brave. I, um, you know, ensure that I use DuckDuckGo and use emails, you know, that are not Gmail. The thing is, what people don't seem to understand is monopolies are the key, right? I've said this before, and Google is a monopoly. And they made it clear, if we break up and there's tons of small companies, they don't have the resources we have to ensure that something like Trump doesn't happen again. What? Who tasked you with that? I'll tell you who tasked them with that. Nobody's paying attention. The National Security Advice Panel that Obama had, three of those clowns are sitting at Google. One of them, Global public policy, hello? And it's like all these outlets are writing about Google and this and that. No one's paying attention to the bottom line. In twenty Between 2014 and 2016, three different National Security Council advisors from the board, it's called um, the PA... Oh, shoot. Um, the P-A-B... Oh, gosh. P-A-M-B board, yes, that Obama had are now working at super high positions at Google. Again, one of them is global public policy for Google. Hello. And then people are like, I don't know why they're doing this. Um, they all got jobs there. They're running the show. They're collecting companies from here and there to push it. Yes, we need to break up alphabet ink yes we do but it's not happening yet i'll see um i i want to say just before we break after the break we're just going to be talking about iran iran syria turkey (laughs) iran and a little bit of cuba i'll see you all in just a bit Unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tory. Remember, I'm always here Monday through Friday, 12 to 2 Eastern Time on Red State Talk Radio on your terrestrial airwaves, and you can stream me online by downloading our free Red State Talk Radio app or through TalkStream Live. Now, uh, before I get into what is going on in the world and why we have this high heat map, I want to remind you that two weeks ago I told you that there's going to be a lot of changes in the White House. And this is because right after President Trump kicked off his 2020 campaign, it wasn't so much the campaign, that's a given, right? Right? We know he's the Republican nominee, period. It was that now is where we're making America great again. The foundations, the hard work that was put in to create the soil and seed, now we're going to be seeing them sprout this summer. And in order to do that, you need the right workers, right? So this is where you riddle out the house. So just a few minutes ago, it was announced, it was like, 15 or so minutes ago, it was announced that Stephanie Grisham will be taking the place of uh, uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders as press secretary. Now, who's Stephanie? Stephanie, number one, Grisham, was always loved by the insane mainstream media, tweeting out so many nice things about her. And who is she? Uh, You know, she is uh, originally from Arizona. She has two kids, Uh, she started working on the Trump campaign. Uh, That's how she started. She initially was in Arizona, and she helped kind of like set up um, President Trump's Arizona rallies. And then she started working outside of Arizona because she did a really good job, you know? And remember, he won 49% of the vote in Arizona. That's pretty good. And At the end of it, like from July, June, July of 2016 up until the elections, uh, she was traveling around with the Trump campaign as part of the communications team. So she had started working for the Arizona Republicans. This is key. Before even being involved in the Trump campaign, she worked for the Arizona Republicans she was the spokesperson for the um Arizona GOP. Uh the Arizona actually House of Representatives the Republicans there, right? Um and she also served as um AG Horns, Arizona AG Horns uh spokesperson just so you know. So when uh in in 2016 after she Uh, after the legislature, because she was the spokesperson, you know, for the legislators, the House, the Republican House of Arizona. When they, um, you know, tapped out for summer, she left to join the Trump campaign a couple months later, uh, you know, continuously. So I just want to say everybody loves her. MSNBC, CNN, all they do is talk about how nice she is, how she would look after them, being, you know, press, uh, how she celebrated them. So do we see, will we see them being nicer to her? I don't know. Will they remember all those times that she looked after them? I don't know. It's only to see. Now, she and Melania get along really well because they both love fashion, right? They both look great uh, in regards to, you know, their outfits are well put together they don't have to be expensive right they just have to look good and classy and she's very classy so in um at at some point she was actually nominated to serve uh as melania trump's uh director of communications and that's what she's been doing and um <clears throat> even during the rnc She would talk nicely about Melania because she liked her. Melania, first of all, aside from being gorgeous and well-educated and classy, I mean, you can see a person from their face and from the way they speak, what kind of person they are. Like, Melania is very courteous, very compassionate, very caring. But if she's angry, boy, you don't want to be in her way. She looks like she can throw you some spitfire, right? Whereas uh, President Trump... He's like straight to the point, bull in a china cabinet, but he is the biggest softie ever right behind that, right? You could tell just by looking at them, you can tell. And you know, a lot of people are like, well, how could you tell what kind of, you know, how people are? Obviously, through whatever experience and training I've had, but I want you to think, if you were to cast a person that you see in front of you in a movie, what character would they play? That's all you have to think about sometimes. And it's so easy To gain that skill by doing so. Now, the one thing I can tell you about Stephanie um, Grisha myself is that she is, um, okay, so how I see her is stealthy in the sense of she wants to do things to feel like she's a part of something, but she has a moral floor. And why I say this is, remember, she's from Arizona and she worked with the House Republicans there. She knows whose state was Arizona. There you go. And remember, who in that state did not like President Trump? Exactly. And who was one of the biggest proponents to this coup? Exactly. We don't even have to name him. (laughs) No need. So that's great on that development that they have that replacement. Yet, I'm going to be honest. I believe that there's going to be someone else writing the responses. No offense to Stephanie, but uh, she doesn't have the, um, for me, right? She doesn't have the spunk uh, and um, POV for it. I mean, you know, she's obviously expressed throughout you know the past couple years her concerns of biased reporting but she isn't a fully formed I would say perspective person I can't explain it she's very neutral Uh, she's very put together but you will not expect to see any input or stance from her So it's kind of vanilla for me, but it's a good choice. Vanilla is great for this position because either way, announcements are discussed. So she's just going to be discussing what everything was put, what things were put together um, with little or no input on it. I'm just being honest. Uh, I like her. She's done a great job from Melania, but obviously Melania knows how to speak for herself. So I thought I'd just put it out there. Now let's move on to what is going on in the Middle East. So I can't believe, I'm going to tell you, I cannot believe that the mainstream media has not reported any of these things, Um, specifically of what's going on, uh, how uh, things have developed, uh, what we are seeing going forward. It's just... It is so insane. The key thing that people need to understand is that um, when I said that this is a huge litmus test, I meant it. It is a litmus test to see where uh, each nation considered friendly, foe, or neutral sits. And right now what we have is Turkey, for example, there is a um, Turkey-Iran agreement um, with the Shanghai Corporation uh, that's being done for 2020. And Russia is, uh, you know, Russian sources that I have say that there are talks between uh, Turkish and Russian central banks in China uh, f- to formulate a joint response to U.S. actions. Now, here's the thing. China and Russia have already expressed where they sit. And these Russian sources are saying that these leaks are coming from more informal or planted positions. So this is key. Now, a response to the U.S. sanctions, uh, you know, obviously hasn't been clarified, but is it is very normal to understand and, you know, you can take it as a given that it's common sense that Turkey would agree to the Shanghai Corporation Organization because um, as the issue with the EU going into the EU is done now, right? They've been, nope, you're not going in. And, um, you know, Erdogan was not invited or what do they say, he accidentally didn't show up with the senior officials of the SICA um, organization, it is pretty evident that the aim here is to unify Eurasian sovereign entities. So instead of Turkey now looking to the west, they're looking to the east. This has been incredible to watch over the past two weeks. Actually, it's been in the works for months, but, you know, it's transparent, apparent, and sudden, sudden shifting of gears. Because think of uh, of it this way. There's two, um, in the framework that we have globally, right, there's two superpowers, Russia and the United States. They run all the projects that would link Eurasia. So we have funded most of these. Even the gas pipelines, we've done it through the World Bank, through pushing it, because remember, we're one of the largest shareholders, so we have the biggest say. So the pipelines and the train layout, so we have that. So that way we can complete construction projects, so we can fully control Eurasia and the Middle East this was what the past administrations have done that's something President Trump doesn't care about he wants us to have a great participation you know if obviously uh, you know we've got out China connected to London and China connected to South Africa via the Middle East we want in that's money right but we don't want to control it the way it has been. It has to be done through healthy competition or else then you just have socialism. So on the one hand, there's Russia, China, Iran, and Turkey. And on the other hand, it's U- the U.S., Israel, and um, all Gulf nations except for Qatar. Now, just before the new railway line between Iran and Turkey um, just a little while ago it was like a couple months ago actually what was it like January they announced that there's a new rail line going from Turkey to Iran so that's one segment and that the train um, would be uh, and, and now actually the train kicks off Mondays leaving Tehran at around nine uh, twenty a.m. their time and it arrives into the eastern city of um, Turkey called Van by Tuesday morning and it has like like a layover um, in Tabriz, which is in northeastern Iran. And then the train returns um, at 9 p.m. So when it gets to, you know, on the Tuesday. So Monday it leaves Tehran, gets there for Tuesday morning, right? And then Tuesday night it comes back to Tehran. So they, they did the trial, and it went great. And it's 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 a very important connection. Let's just say, uh, w- aside from the fact what countries are participating in this and what can be transported over this railway, it is a very important thing for the whole region because this is the first out of many railways that are being laid out to provide alternative transportation and possibly, and I'm going to talk future-wise and in a fluffy sense, Possibly more green transportation, maybe with hyperspeed trains in the future, we're talking, right? We're talking 20, 30 years from now to connect people rather than flights, you know, trains could be a lot faster and easier. And it is also key for like tourism. I mean, imagine if you can take a cross-continent, you know, choo-choo train, right? You land in London, you take the Eurostar, cross from France, and then you Write it out till you get to China. That's pretty cool. And stopping off on the way. I mean, that's pretty cool. So, you know, I I wanted to point out that now with this Iranian um, outburst, one would say, the show that is being put forward, uh, it is uh, a pretty big deal to see that uh, Turkey has taken to the east more than the west. And that is also evident from their not really caring that they're not part of the F-35 program. So another thing that people don't know about is that there's this really big, mega, huge deal that was sealed between Turkey, Azerbaijan, and Russia. So there we have a railway that connects these three nations. So it is like there was a contract that was signed between them so, you know, the, it's the baku B C Cars Railway, the BTK Railway, basically. And in this agreement, it shows the cooperation that this rail network was to ensure that cargo from Russia passes through Kafkaso and Anatolia to their destination. So basically... It's a way that freight can be moved cheaper, of course, because ships aren't that cheap. And ships take longer, more staff, but freight trains are the future of transport, especially once, you know, we find more sustainable ways, I guess, because a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, trains are so dirty. They don't use coal anymore, so. (laughs) But this is a way for them to expand on trade. So it's like to get cargo from, you know, uh, Russia, through Anatolia which is like you know to go out into Europe this is a really big way this is like state-of-the-art inter-Eurasian connections and if people don't understand what is going on in the region they can't understand what the battle is for I mean yeah oil But let's look at the bigger picture. It's not oil. They're all running out of oil. Iran's running out of oil reserves. Saudi Arabia's got 63 years on the clock. You know what I'm saying? It's not about that. Why would you, you know, create a war for like you know, a maximum of 70 years of oil if you pump at the rate you're pumping. Because if you pump at a higher rate, it's going to go down, right? If you pump at double the rate, it's going to be 30 years. Triple the rate, 15 years. Quadruple the rate, seven years. So why would you fight over a nation that if you quadruple the rate, you only got seven years of, you know, um, black gold left? Mm. Because it's not about that. It's about land. I've said it before. It is the gateway to Africa, Africa is the dark nation, and now Europe and Asia that have developed both separately but in what one would say traditionally westernish ways, right? And they have built their economies. Now they're looking to unify their economies in not the sense of a universal government, but in a sense of healthy competition and connectivity, okay? So, you know, Russia itself has actually um, offered the country of Georgia, which used to be part of the USSR, um, and it's a border city of CARS, Turkey, um, it offered to build like something that's like less than 100 kilometers of railway um, and the Caspian. So that way, um, well, it's so it connects, you know, them to the Georgian border onto CARS in Turkey. So... This is huge because then that would connect the, onto the line, which is China to Central Asia to the Caspian and Moscow. And then it accesses Mediterranean ports of the Turkish market and what? African ports via the Middle East. It is not only black gold. And this is why I'm telling you in 2020, we're going to shift to the gold standard. Why? Petrodollar is dead. Now it's about investing. I mean, Saudi Arabia and the United Emirates are way ahead of this. They created resorts like nobody's business. They're going to be hot spots for tourism, especially when those railways are laid out. Man, I would love to take a train from, you know, Germany, spend two days on it, see the scenery going throughout Europe go through, you know, what will be a new, new nations that is now called Turkey by then, through Kurdistan, through all those, and then hop over maybe a bridge over the strait, I don't know, and go to the United Emirates for vacation and go on one of those private islands. I mean, this is it. I mean, you have to understand that the goal for this is a about a thousand kilometer long railway linking London to Beijing, using the silk road so this is exactly what is at stake and i think it's very important that I mentioned that, because a lot of people don't know about these projects. A lot of people don't know um, what is at stake. Everybody keeps thinking it's oil. Everybody keeps thinking it's nuclear threats. You know, do you know that Greece has one of the biggest deposits of uranium and um, platinum and um, and oil in their seas? Yes. So it's not just about uranium because Iran doesn't have that much of anything. The Niger River is packed with it. But we're n- it's not about that. These are all facades. These are manufactured narratives to keep people in check and to not ask for more information. So here's the thing. The U.S., this is how it's being viewed, That the U.S. and Israel now, this is how they're pushing this from the European standpoint. That the U.S. and Israel um, are creating the peace railroad, right? So they're saying that the Israeli transport minister um, has announced, um, you know, for a plan aimed at uniting Western-dominated countries and the extinction of Turkey and Iran in the Middle East, okay? Okay. So that Israel is saying, well, we're going to get rid of Iran and Turkey and it's going to happen. Listen, Turkey is going to be gone. Not so much Iran. Iran wants to be free. So it would be a Tel Aviv rail link with Jordan and the Arab countries. So the line would start from Haifa. And by the way, if you ever go to Israel and you go to Haifa, usually you could take a boat from Cyprus pretty cheap to go over. But if you go to Haifa... Uh, and you're gonna propose to someone, or you want jewelry, that's where you need to go. 90% of the diamonds and precious gems that are processed on the planet are done through a factory there. Everything you see at Tiffany's and Cartier comes from the factory that processes uh, precious stones there. And you will get it at such a discount. It's ridiculous. Um, All you need is a stone and then you could go to a jeweler and fit it in. Or you could buy a really nice ring that has a fake rock and just slot your real real rock in. Anyway, that's just a tip. I've done it. I love it. I love Haifa. So anyway, from Haifa, um, which is, you know, on the med across, you know, um, across the... Uh, across cyprus Um, it will stretch down to dubai and it will also be expanding to jordan saudi arabia the uae and it'll have like several branches going through and these are the jews that the arabs don't want to hang out with you see the narrative crumbling here why would nations that hate israel work with israel Why would Israel that hates Muslims work with Muslims? Because this is all manufactured. It's all about a common goal. So Israel was responding to the actions that the European Union was taking. Russia and China have created their railway. They're linked. Their freight goes back and forth. The other nations have been put back, and this is because the universal government group called the New World Order wanted to control the Middle East. This is why they had the plan to annihilate those seven nations that, um, you know, Wesley um, made you know, known to you on the show when I played the clip, with Iran being the final blow because Africa, could you imagine freight trains in Africa going by gold mines going by diamond, precious stone. It is such an abundant uh, continent, not country, and it's dark. So anyone that controls the Middle East exclusively controls access to Africa. Now, obviously, Israel already has access to Africa, right, Uh, geographically. So does Jordan. But what's the point of having access to Africa if you can't connect Africa to those um, traditional, you know, Western-dominated countries, right? So, just so you guys know, the um, it, the Sheikh Hussein border on the Israel-Jordan border. It will be like extending east to the West Bank in into Kelme in the south. It's going to be so huge. From Riyadh, the line will go down to Daman and Gubiel uh, port, and it'll reach all the way to Dubai. I mean, it's going to be glorious. These This is why everything is happening. Uh, you know, obviously, the European Union lacks energy access, okay? And that's what we need to understand, that it lacks energy access. So... Uh, Turkey is key for them because the energy is being fed from the Middle East and Russia, and that is something that they can use. And then they were hoping through Turkey and obviously the European Union to exploit the waters of Italy and Greece and get the remaining energy they don't have, you know, talking, you know, 100 years down the line when the Middle East is dry. And, you know, back up, they had Venezuela, but President Trump threw a wrench in that too. So it's really important for us to understand what is at stake here. I know all of us think that it's just oil. For now, the present, oil is a big deal for the European Union because they do not have ease of energy access. They can only get it via Turkey and via Russia because with the Ukraine, they've already exploited the most of it. And it's actually natural gas that they have there anyway. So we'll we'll pick this up right after this short break.
1: Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help.
0: Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. So over the break, I noticed I had a lot of messages. And, guys, I'm still dealing. I think I did something with my settings with Twitter. um, And, you know, I have, like, maybe 20 people that I talk to on a regular basis, and I can't talk to 12 of them. So, um, you know, I can see your um, messages, but I can't open it. So... If any of you want to give me like a Telegram username or um, something else so that we can communicate, that's great if I don't have you on text and that only applies to three people. But anyway, um, going forward, Uh, many of you though, from their emails as well, told me that you didn't even know about these railways and this is what's at stake. It's real estate, guys. That is the most expensive thing someone will have, will have. And the reason I'm telling you this is that, you know, Iran, the creation of Iran to be the backup uh, nuclear threat with the facade of so much uranium and stuff, how much do you want to guarantee that Iran doesn't even have as much uranium as they claim to have uh, to create such weapons? I'm telling you this. The river Niger is packed. But, you know, from surveys from back in the day, there's not that much, I mean, I'm just saying it clear out. It's all misinformation, kind of like weapons of mass destruction, right? So people need to be a little bit more, um, I would say, how do I say? Not, uh, yeah, careful, I guess, with what we accept as fact. Yeah, there's this whole deal that was written up, but who wrote it? The guys that are planning to take over the Middle East, and then at last attempt is to get rid of Iran. Right. Because once you get Iran, you're done. And Turkey will be a walk in the park for all of them. So, you know, this the, I, I just wanted to bring it to your attention that this Iran nuclear deal was B.S. All we did was pay them. Right. To supposedly invest in their nation, which they didn't to supposedly, uh, you know, uh, how do how do I say uh, propel them into a more um, higher stature, I guess, in their region in regards to what they provide. I'll I'll be honest with you. I have a lot of friends that are are in Iran. Some of them teach. um, Some of them just work there because they're Iranian-Americans or just Iranian plain Iranians. Um, And some of them are independent journalists that obviously send their information to other journalists because if they publish it, then they're in trouble kind of thing, right? And it's not that bad, like if you, uh, and, and you know, I don't want to sound, it's not what the media tells you it is, okay? Because, you know, we see these protests and whatnot, but there's protests everywhere. And if you're not in there or you're not part of that nation, you don't really understand how big it is. Remember how they showed like 10 people of Antifa looking like they were thousands, Right? that's the type of thing i'm not saying that there were only 10 people but people in iran work normally are normal women are pretty much more free than they are than in turkey they don't all have to wear hijabs most of them have lovely lovely um appearances um very fashionable it's actually forward thinking yes there are those that have the burqas but it's not so hard implemented and i want people to understand that it's all a show and a facade because iran was created for that reason to launder money and nobody questioning now here's the thing if you heard there was a attack an attack in saudi arabia which is being charged to iran okay it was a Yemeni uh, rebel attack, the Houthis, right? Basically, they took out um, the Abha airport in Yemen. It's like in 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 Yemen, in Saudi Arabia. So basically, it's like south and a drone. It was actually a drone hit, and it killed a Syrian national that was working in Saudi Arabia. So he, you know, the first thing I thought when I saw the news coming out of Oman um when it first happened, I thought, oh, wow, could it be someone from Syria that fled to Saudi Arabia to kind of talk? Because, you know, the, they're Syrians that are working with Iranian factions and the IRGC and also the F- uh, FLN from Turkey, which are also terrorist organizations. So that was my first thought. And so the attack on Nabha airport um, is... Um, is, I would say, not unprecedented, but it's just super odd on the timing, okay? So 21 civilians were hurt, and where it was at the airport, it was like um, there was a McDonald's, so that's the one that was pretty much blown up. and. People are saying that the Iranian-aligned Houthi are the ones that are, you know, threat to Saudi c- cities and um, are the ones putting out these attacks. So this is why they're crediting Iran for it, Iran-backed Houthi. Again, we have to stress this. Iran is simply a front to pay all terrorist organizations, the Houthis. Hamas, Hezbollah, Al Shabaab, Al Qaeda, the Taliban, all of them, FLN, all of them. Any other terrorist groups, they probably pay for them. Okay? Anyone under the sun. They don't even have to have, you know, Islam roots. They could be Catholic radicals. They could be Buddhists on crack. They're paying for it. Okay? Whatever terrorist factions, this new global order, universal government, you know, applauders and pushers want, they will be funding. Now, it is important to say that the coalition um, did not um, com- confirm any other attacks because they were said that there was a an attack um, at the Jizan airport, uh, which is um, south of the kingdom. These were done with drones. So, it's, it's pretty incredible uh, what we're seeing. And Pompeo being in Saudi Arabia condemned it. And you know what's super duper weird? Is that Turkey actually came out with a press release today um, and they said, we condemn the armed drone attack targeting Abha International Airport of Saudi Arabia, which killed one person and injured many others. We call for refraining from acts that would escalate tension in Yemen and focusing on UN-led efforts for political solution. Hmm. Let me tell you something about Turkey, okay? So first of all, they condemn the attack because now since Yemen Houthis attack Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia will go in and be like, you're done. But Turkey doesn't want that because, remember, there's pipelines linking up Oman and Yemen and coming out to where, in the end, go out to Turkey. So it's not in their best interest for Yemen to escalate things because then oil isn't pumped and they get less oil to be able to sell, resell to Europe. So this is a concern for them, economic, especially in the economic situation they are. So... Saudi Arabia may or may not respond to this, but it's really important because Saudi state media um, have been reporting for the past couple of weeks, you know, more intense uh, coalition raids and rebel positions, um, you know, in North Yemen and specifically um, the province of Hajjah, and, um, you know, the Houthi held capital Sana'a. So it's it's really important that people um, see the whole picture of what's going on. So we've got Yemen rebels attacking Saudi Arabia, which is also a distraction because Saudi Arabia going on Yemen hurts Turkey, but Saudi Arabia focusing on Yemen means that we have another pocket of heat. So then there's you know Iran, there's Yemen, then we have you know Somalia, there's stuff heating up there with um, with Liberia and Somalia that I heard earlier today. I haven't found any other confirmed reports. I've only found two. And I've tried to reach out to sources, but nothing yet. But something is super going on within these nations. and I, And I believe that they're just simply distractions. I mean, I know it sounds bad. What, someone distracted and blew up a McDonald's in Saudi Arabia and killed a guy? Who knows? The bottom line is Pompeo's down there, so obviously something is up. So, um, as he's down there, and we have Bolton and Hook, uh, you know, sorting out Iran. I believe maybe the talks are being done through these nations where they're traveling to. Now, another thing to state is, um, I told you about Turkey. I told you how they, like, um, you know, are going to drill. Now they sent a gunnery exercise to Navtex to do live ammunition training in um, Greece's water in the Mediterranean Sea. And Greece is like, you're not authorized to do that in our waters. We issue those to NAVTECs. And they don't give two bits. They don't care. They're like, from the 2nd of July, from 700 to 0900... Uh, We're going to be doing live ammo testing from the 5th of July, from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. We're going to be doing this. 7th of July, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m., we're going to be doing this. It's all live ammo. It is crazy. It is crazy. And what they're doing in Yavuz and in the area, I mean, guys, if you're in Cyprus and you're like swimming right now because it's like hot summer, Only like a couple, maybe I would say like a mile and a half, two miles out. Well, it should be more. So let's say three miles out so you can see it while you're laying back taking the sun. They've rigged up an oil rig off the coast of Cyprus and they don't care that they violated law. So this is really heating up, um, especially now that uh, they've decided that they're going to be aligning with Beijing monetary wise. Now, here's the weird thing. So the European Union has sanctioned Turkey for all these things. Uh, they haven't sanctioned. They spanked them by yelling at them and saying, you're not coming into the EU. And they're like, fine, we don't care. America, you can have your F-35s. We don't need it. We're aligning with Russia. Hey, EU, you can poke it. I'm hanging out with the Asians now. It's going to be the Shanghai Corporation. So this is what happens. So the first pass of where everybody sits has just happened. Now, here's where we see our allies coming out now prior to the G20 summit. England says that it is not... Anticipating that the United States will ask the United Kingdom to participate in a war with Iran. And that's coming from Jeremy Hunt, who's the um, Minister of Foreign Affairs. So they're not expecting that we're going to ask them to join into a war. He says, um, the United States is one of our closest allies. We speak to them all the time. We're in constant communications. We analyze any demands, questions, or issues that arise carefully, and I can't fathom any situation in which they will ask us or that we will agree to um, move ahead and go into war. And that is something that Hunt said uh, to Parliament today. And um, he then went on to say, the message we're sending to our partners in the European Union, especially the French and Germans, as far as the nuclear program of Iran is concerned, this is a very crucial week. And it is imperative that they stand by the agreement in its entirety so that it can be maintained and that we have a nuclear-free Middle East. Here is the thing. Remember, July 7th is the deadline by Iran. Iran says the deal is off if you don't comply. What do they want? Money. Will Europe pay them? I don't know. But they only have a few days. And like he said, it's only this week that is crucial. Now, I also want to say that the Iranian government made it clear on their state television and through a press release, which should align with what I've been telling you, um, you know, President Trump has been doing and how he has been operating, is that they came out and said that they are not creating any nuclear weapons. Um, So they came out and said that, that they have no interest in creating uh, nuclear missiles. They said they've never attempted to acquire any nuclear weapons. And this was said by Mohammed Javad Sariv today through the um, Iranian IB News Agency. So he said that the use of nuclear weapons in the past by the U.S. and the recent comments by President Trump that um, he canceled... um, You know, he was referring to president when he was talking, he was like, oh, you know, the United States has used nuclear weapons in the past. So he was demonstrating how aggressive the United States usually is. And then he talked about how President Trump called off, you know, the Iranian strike that could have killed 150 people. And he said, and I quote, are you really worried about the 150 people? How many people have you killed with a nuclear weapon? How many generations have you removed with these weapons? Said Zarif. Now, he's right. He is right. But it's not for this administration's. It's all previous one. And as Americans, we have to acknowledge that. The atrocities that Obama did starting wars, and he was still a two-time president. The nuclear bomb that we dropped on Hiroshima. He's right. But this is all down to the inability for us to have access to information and controlled information. Because if we think that the mainstream media is controlled now, but it wasn't then, we've, we are kidding ourselves, okay? We are totally kidding ourselves. Now, it's important um, for us to know that Iranian fishermen actually found parts of the U.S. drone in uh, iranian waters Um, and that was actually stated by the iranian ambassador to england hamid bahitajan so they did and of course they would because when it explodes currents come on hello but anyway it's just like a real stretch but um it's important that people understand that iran's statements are just for show it is for show to ensure that, you know, this continuation of the agenda ceases. And it's also to disallow them to believe that this is being rectified. And you'll be like, well, why not? People want to know that we're not going to war. Well, they were telling us that we were going to war with North Korea, right? They were telling us that they're just going to throw a missile at us, didn't they? We have that nuclear test. They tried to take down our president. Right? All of these things, and they didn't succeed. You think Iran is the problem? Now, another thing that was said, um, Khamenei uh, said that um, their intentions, and President Rouhani actually accused the U.S. of lying um, when you know the U.S. is saying they want to negotiate. So President um, Rouhani is saying, oh, the U.S. is a total liar. They don't want to negotiate with us. They just want to annihilate us. And, uh, you know, Khamenei is saying, look, look at the U.S. sanctions. That's really telling you what the U.S. wants from us. So the president of Iran, Hassan Rouhani, said he rejects the U.S. um, sanctions against um, uh, Khamenei, which is what? What did he announce yesterday? That he is going to confiscate every single dollar property he has. Um, And so Khamenei then described President Trump as a retard, right, or the White House. He didn't say President Trump. He said the U.S. leaders and the White House. So, And that was broadcast live. And Rouhani said that the sanctions against Khamenei would fail because Khamenei has no assets abroad. Rouhani argued that these sanctions is indicative of the desperation of the United States. So... Basically, let's break this down, right? So the president says, I'm going to freeze all assets of Khamenei outside of Iran worldwide. They're all mine. You have a bank account, it's mine. You have, you know, an airplane, it's mine. You have a house, it's mine. And Rouhani says, well, you know, he doesn't have any assets, but he's the Khamenei. He's the supreme leader. So any Iranian assets fall under that. So bank accounts with England, bank accounts with Germany. Remember how many we've held accountable for violating US sanctions and trading within the United States? You watch, it's coming down like this. But I'm going to I'm going to say something and it's going on a limb. I don't really think we're confiscating them to punish them, but to make sure that they're there. Okay? To protect them because they are compliant. They are working and if you listen to what they say it makes sense because this is not the way a government will respond when under stress right it's not so it's important for us to understand that Iran it's all under control they're all being compliant it's all part of it and he in uh, and I'll quote him he said At the time you are calling for negotiations, you are seeking to impose sanctions on the foreign minister. It is obvious that you are lying. That is what Rouhani said to John Bolton and said that the door for the United States to come and have real talks is always open. So, again, these are the same things we heard who say? Kim Jong-un. So... When it comes to foreign policy, as far as what is going on with Iran, I can tell you all it's totally fine. There is nothing to see here. Now, on another note, Cuban Missile Crisis, right? So apparently we have uh, Putin claiming that, you know, there's going to be another Cuban Missile Crisis again because... Uh, you know, he's sending boats to Cuba, and so because the U.S. Um, is building up weapons, it risks the repeat of the Cuban Missile Crisis. Now, I just want to tell you guys, when, if you have any time today, uh, you should revisit the declassified documentation of Operation Northwoods. Operation Northwoods was actually a false flag attack. It's been declassified uh, that was prepared by the Central Agency, what people call the Central Intelligence Agency. It was presented in 1962 to JFK up and around the time of the missile crisis, right? And It was uh, an operation where U.S. government operatives would commit acts of terrorism against American civilians and military targets, blaming it on the Cuban government. There's documentation. I mean, even Wikipedia has this stuff, okay? So the idea was that they would... Um, include um, assassination of Cubans, sinking boats of Cuban refugees, hijacking planes and blowing up a U.S. ship, and just kind of basically making it look like terrorism in U.S. cities. And these, and apparently JFK said no, probably why they got rid of him afterwards too, because he was not compliant with the central agency. So you can see that and realize what it says. Now Russia says... Uh, As they dock in Havana, they docked a ship. They said that the U.S. that um, warns that the U.S. that the buildup of weapons in Europe could spark a repeat of the Cuban Missile Crisis. So... um, uh, Uh, Rybkov, who's the deputy foreign minister, uh, threatened escalation if weapon systems remain in place. So the Kremlin has been fiercely critical of the U.S. plans to deploy missile systems in Eastern Europe and of Washington's withdrawal from the immediate, immediate range nuclear forces arms control treaty. So this is super facts that we need to remember. And I've told you this we have been delivering missile systems to the Balkans, like Romania and Bulgaria. And we withdrew from the INF, India November Foxtrot, which is a treaty for immediate range nuclear weapons, to use nuclear weapons, immediate range, like you don't give people time to evacuate and stuff like that, right? There's like a treaty where they're like, we don't use nuclear weapons, et cetera. So it, the Pentagon last week approved $250 million in aid to the Ukraine, uh, which is supposedly still, you know, at war Uh, With Russia, okay, this is just total BS, but anyway, and then um, President Trump said that he was going to put more troops there, um, and uh, about a thousand more troops from the fifty-two thousand that are in Germany to Poland. It's just pretty incredible because now that he docked there, he's like, hey, Cuban Missile Crisis erupted in nineteen sixty-two when Moscow responded to a U.S. missile deployment in Turkey by sending ballistic missiles to Cuba. Did you hear that? What country? Turkey, Turkey, Turkey. The Cuban Missile Crisis erupted when Moscow responded to a U.S. missile deployment in Turkey by sending ballistic missiles to Cuba, sparking a standoff, brought the world to the brink of nuclear war. Again, Turkey. If we listen to what these leaders say, you can understand and predict what is to come. And, For now, we we can all rely on the fact that they are looking for peace and the actual warmongers have lost control. We are in control now. And even though we are not seeing it on a global scale being diffused faster, it is. Domestically, we're seeing the panic. So that should be able to give you more trust in what's generally going on from a macro perspective and then micro within our borders. Um, As far as the southern border is concerned, that is really going to be wrapping up in the next four weeks. It's going to be interesting to see. Um, Tomorrow we're going to be having some, from what I hear, some really explosive news coming out. So that'll be really interesting. On that note, I wish you all a great evening. God bless, and I'll see you all here tomorrow, same time, same place, Monday through Friday, 12 to 2 on Red State Talk Radio. From all of us here at Red State, God bless.
1: from the suits in D.C., but close enough now to see this mess. Where I stand, the mountain's getting steeper. They grab a shovel, dig a hole a little deeper, just to bury my kids right up to there.